The Athletic. Jordan, you're a great professional, but tell me you're going to get absolutely rotten tonight, like me. <laughs> Possibly. Oh, Come on, Jordan, go for it, lad. Enjoy yourself. Cheers, hey! Carol. Come on, Jordan. Love it. So let's face it, Liverpool's league season pretty much in free fall, and there's no obvious solution to halt the decline. If top four's becoming a step too far. Is winning the Champions League even feasible? Well, we'll talk about that and also Steven Gerrard and his league success with Rangers already showing how bright his managerial future will be and to chew over the good and the bad. James Pearce, uh, Simon Hughes and myself, Steve Hothersall. Right now, you can subscribe to The Athletic for a special price of £3.99 a month for six months. That's 40% off the full price of a subscription. You'll enjoy great analysis and in-depth features from the very best football writers around, as well as ad-free versions of all our podcasts. So go to theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. Take advantage of this special 40% discount. That's theathletic.com slash Liverpool pod. So the master motivator, Jurgen Klopp, is struggling to do just that. That's the way it feels, James. Yeah, it does. And that's probably the biggest worry for me coming away from Anfield on uh, on Sunday afternoon was that whatever Jurgen Klopp and whatever Pep Linders are saying on a daily basis doesn't seem to be getting through at the moment. It was a gamble by Klopp making so many changes. I, I can understand why, because, you know, you've got to try something different. You know, he, before the game, he talked about you know, he felt it would give Liverpool freshness, you know, a, a new energy, a new dynamism, but it just didn't happen, did it? It was even, it seemed like even the players who haven't been playing recently have been affected by this malaise that has, that has spread through. And I mean, what a bleak week, you know, and to think that a week ago we were talking about a morale boosting win, you know, albeit it was against a very limited Sheffield United team, but, you know, to lose to Chelsea can happen. They're a decent team, but to not only lose, but to get outplayed for 45 minutes by Fulham. You know, that, that wasn't a freak result. Fulham were much the better team in the first half and there was no reaction, really. You know, it was Liverpool were a bit better second half, but by that point, they'd given Fulham something to hold on to. And then even then, Fulham looked just as likely to score a second on the counter-attack as Liverpool did to equalise. So um, the, the problems for Jurgen Klopp just keep on mounting. Absolutely. He's obviously tried something there, Si, with the, the seven changes. I, I wonder whether it's a bit of what James was referring to there to freshen things up. A couple of changes were enforced. And is there just the eye on the Champions League? Is, is the eggs perhaps all in one basket? Yeah, well, over the years at Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp has, has made these sorts of moves, you know, in games where... He's made wholesale changes, particularly in, in periods where there's been lots of games. I can think of several occasions through the Christmas periods of, of the last few seasons where you know Liverpool go to Brighton and suddenly the, the, there's four or five changes to the team. But obviously the mood around the club's very different at this moment in time. And Liverpool have been playing, you know, sort of two games a week for, for quite a long time with a, a, a limited or a reduced squad, reduced number of players to choose from. I, I felt that the Chelsea game, there was there was a lack of legs in the team as well as belief. I think that's probably what prompted this. And obviously, as you said there, Steve, you're spot on. I, I think that they're just thinking towards the Champions League now. It feels like the 
they've all but abandoned the season. It's a good job that they've got, what is it, 43 points? Because uh, they've just fallen off a cliff in the league. It's dangerous though, isn't it, Si? It is, it is dangerous. I mean, it, it, it feels... I remember... I don't want to be saying, you know, it's, it's going to end up the same way, but when in Kenny Dalglish's last... Uh, First full season, obviously his last season in charge. I remember Fulham came to Anfield and I think won one nil. I think it might have been an own goal that day. The performance against Fulham was very similar. I thought yesterday, uh, where Liverpool just didn't look like they were ever going to put them under enough pressure where they buckle and score again. I think the crowd come comes into that to some extent because I'm, I'm fed up with repeating myself, but but I, I do think that the, the crowd is is still harming Liverpool. I think that sometimes. It does put pressure on teams, and 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 yesterday there were a couple of occasions where potentially, you know, you could see in a different world, you know, that that maybe a little slip here or a little slip there would have ended up a bit differently. But that said, I, I, I just think that, that yesterday the performance generally, you know, had a, had a lack of purpose, and you know, Liverpool can only play according to what the environment is now, rather than thinking about oh, I wish it was this way or a totally different way. There's no point thinking about that, and I, I don't think they've adjusted to the the surroundings of the pandemic particularly well if you if you, if you look back since you know the, the restart really the number of good convincing performances you could you could probably say is definitely in single single figures and unfortunately uh, you know as you, as you say it, it's it's not good enough as james said he's not uh, he's not above criticism he's got lots of Jürgen Klopp has got lots of favor in the bank i think some of the criticism has been very unfair. I think people with short memories really like sort of seem to have forgotten where Liverpool were barely a year ago. I don't think it's irretrievable to get back to that sort of point, but I think it's going to take a lot of hard work to get there because the miles away at the moment, they look like a team that's to me feeling very sorry for itself. And I think that's the most worrying element of it because it ties into what James said that you know the manager has got to find a way to try and get that confidence and enthusiasm back amongst the players because. For me, yesterday, it looked like the players weren't particularly that bothered, which was a a major concern. The manager, to me, looks like he's feeling the pressure. I don't know what you guys think about that, but he he certainly looks a bit, I don't know, (laughs) a shell of what what we normally expect from Jurgen Klopp. Any manager under pressure starts to make decisions, perhaps, that are a little bit questionable at times. So... If we're looking at formations, substitutions, team selection, us as pundits or fans, there's a greater scrutiny on it all, James. Yeah, and you know, I think what Simon said there is absolutely spot on in terms of a group of players who do look like they're feeling sorry for themselves. And again, throughout Klopp's reign, when there's been a setback, usually there's been a very, very quick response. That has been a huge strength for Klopp that, you know, although in general before, well, pretty much before the the midway point of this season, that there had been this tale of sustained progress, but there has, there has been disappointments along the way, but he'd always been so good at, you know, getting to the root of what had gone wrong on that day, whether it was tactical, whether it was man management, was it the system, was it the personnel, was it you know, how many times have we said it, you know, en route to winning the Champions League and the Premier League? You know, this this is a fella that has got this amazing knack of finding the right words at the right time to get the best out of players. And we're just not seeing that anymore. And I, I 100% agree that he can get it back. Anyone with half a brain, you know, can see the problems that have been thrown in Klopp's path this season. His his actual position shouldn't even be, you know, anyone shouldn't even be questioning it. 
because you know this is a fella that has absolutely transformed Liverpool Football Club and won the biggest prizes, and then has been dealt a really tough hand this season. So he, he is. You know, it would be absolutely ludicrous to even consider a change of manager. Even that, it's even if Liverpool were to lose every game from now to the end of the season, that would still be my position. I mean, he he has to be given the chance. He has to be given this summer to prove that this season was just you know an anomaly, a, a blip. You know, probably a bit more than a blip now, but to sort things out. You know, he's deserved that chance, but. You're right. I think at the moment, I think even watching him yesterday, I thought he was even a lot less animated than you'd expect him to be on the touchline. Almost, almost, almost like a supporter. Almost like here we go again. You know, it is painful watching Liverpool at the moment. There's no getting away from that. You know, it's it, it's boring and painful would be probably two words that spring to mind for me because it's like watching a rubbish film that you've seen over and over again, like on on repeat, where you know what the ending's going to be. But you still can't just quite bring yourself to to drag yourself away from watching it. And um, which film, James? Which which film would you compare it to? <laughs> oh my God! I mean, what was? Uh, I mean, Titanic. No, I, I like Titanic. <laughs> I like Titanic. Um, what would be a truly terrible film? Um, it would it would have to be probably one of the follow up to Jaws. It was. Um, it was. Yeah. It was. Oh, Rambo Three is pretty bad, isn't it? Yeah, we'll still yeah, we'll watch go, it. We'll, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. But but yeah, even you know, and I'm sure we'll come on to the substitutions. You know that I, I, again. I just didn't think he was proactive enough during the game to make changes that I think were pretty glaring in terms of you know why why it took till past the hour mark to bring on Sadio Mane. Why we were inside the final 15 minutes before we saw Fabinho and Trent Alexander Arnold. You know, those changes were really needed a lot sooner. I mean, obviously, Jürgen knows a lot more than us, Simon. <laughs> I think that's fair enough to say. But, it, but are you questioning certain elements? So when you see seven changes in a side, when you see the lateness of some of the substitutions being made, are you, are you puzzled? Not those two specific elements, no. Because as I say, I think he has done that before, that level of change at certain games, you know, and in the past it has worked out. And I, I can understand based on what's happened in previous games and, and the need to freshen up, I can understand why he, he would do that. I also think, you know, throughout his time at Liverpool, it has been one of the sort of small criticisms of Klopp, you know, at certain times. It's been difficult to, <laughs> to criticise him because, you know, particularly the last three years, it's been unrelentingly positive and Liverpool have been going in the right direction all the time. But I, I have felt at times, sometimes his substitutions, he he's a bit slow to make them. I mean, we were just talking off air earlier and I think part of that is because, well, this was James's comment, so I apologise for just repeating what James said, but he's right in what he's saying. I think because of the way Liverpool play and the threat of like injuries, particularly muscle injuries, he tends to wait later in case he gets caught short by making an early sub. I mean, he's not the sort of manager to go if something's wrong at half-time and make two or three substitutions like other managers would you know, to try and make a point and get stare reaction. He tends to try and give his players the backing that they need to and the platform to, to, to go and perform. Um, so they're not two things that could necessarily be critical of. But then, then saying that, I think that just because it's worked for him in the past, it doesn't mean that it should be working for him now. I think that, you know, a lot of the team's problems really um, boil down to the, to the fact that Liverpool haven't really had the pace in defence to play that high line that the that they want to play and they've sort of been caught in between two areas 
Meanwhile, the midfield, you know, I think all the players look a bit jaded. I mean, I, I remember mentioning this sort of November time. I sort of felt that the style of football that Liverpool play, particularly with the number of games that they're playing, the lack of rest that they've had, the lack of preparation that they have, is it suited to that sort of high-intensity play at the moment? So, you know, teams who are a bit more patient might get a bit more joy, and I think that's coming into it. I think that's not going against your principles. It's just being a bit pragmatic, I think. I'm not saying he should should throw out all of his principles out of the window because remember, you know, that's essentially what Brendan Rodgers did, and it only ended one way for him, you know, at Liverpool. So, but I just think at this time he should be thinking a little bit more about the first season when he was in charge at Liverpool, when the players, the play, the football that he wanted to play, he didn't have the players to do it, so they had to play a slightly different way. And it was only after time that they were able to sort of really execute that high energy football. It sort of feels a bit like that. At the moment, I mean, obviously, it's a lot worse because they're, they're losing so many games. I mean, I would say the most worrying element to it is he, he looks defeated. Everybody looks towards the manager all the time. And I remember thinking back to, like, around the time when Virgil van Dijk got injured. I remember they, they obviously played Ajax the following week. I remember thinking, this is a big press conference for Jurgen Klopp to, to say to everyone, this is going to be okay, even if he knows it's not going to be. He needs to sort of reassure people, I think, that things are going to be okay, that they'll get through it. That's the players as well. I mean, first and foremost, before the fans or anybody else, it feels like the players, when I watch the players, they all look a bit beaten as well, a bit out of ideas, lack of energy. I mean, the, the bottom line is, I think, that you know the energy is is, is probably the biggest issue here. I, I'd be inter- interested to see the, the sort of running stats. Not that I'm a massive sort of believer that stats prove everything, but... I think that it'd be interesting to see if they have dropped off this season because I can't believe for a minute that the you know the energy that Liverpool have expended in previous seasons are the same as they are this season uh, because they, they look low on energy um, and it's it that 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 is the concern that, that the energy I would say and the, and the, the overall demeanour of all the people involved it just feels a bit like well you know this is this is the situation we find ourselves in until we get back into a situation where. There's greater normality in football is played on a in a in an environment that we understand. You can't you can't afford just to say, well, that's it. You know, they're gonna to have to find a way to get some belief and momentum back in the season. The energy thing's clearly evident, isn't it? <laughs> Actually, I don't know whether you saw James at half time yesterday. Um Jurgen brought the team out sort of six six minutes early and had them doing shuttle runs on the near side next to the main stand. And I, I had a bit of a laugh with another journalist. I said, they already look so tired. Why? Why is he making them do this before they get going in the, in the second half? But they do seem to be suffering in terms of what they can output in themselves individually. Yeah, but I, yeah, I, I wonder how much of it is is mental fatigue as well as as well as physical because um, I just think the, it's almost you know I spoke to someone recently at the club who just said everything just feels like hard work this season. It just feels like you know the the enjoyment and the you know the the joy of it is kind of seeped away a bit and um you know and of course that's as a result of so many setbacks along along the way and you know a lot of adversity that's been thrown in their direction but um when you look at you know the whole point in that team he picked which you know surprised me I know two of the seven changes obviously were enforced with Quebec and Firmino having knocks but the, the whole point was that shouldn't have been a tired performance it should have been it should have, you know, there should have been high energy. There was very few players out there who really had a genuine excuse for so many miles on the clock this season. You know, and that, and that's where I think also, mm. yes, it's completely fair to question Klopp 
he's not immune from criticism. You can criticise Klopp without thinking that he should be under threat for his job. You know, that sometimes in modern football, it just seems like people are so entrenched. Like he's either like this absolute genius who can do nothing wrong, or he's now a complete fraud who doesn't know what he's doing. And of course, both points of view are utterly ridiculous. You know, he's a fantastic manager, one of the greatest that Liverpool have ever had, but he's enduring a really difficult time and he's struggling to come up with, with the answers. But also what I'd say is, the players are letting him down at the moment. You know, there's a lot of players there who should be taking a long, hard look in the mirror because um, from the same token as it's too easy to just blame the injuries and too easy to just blame, oh, you know, there's no fans, you know, it's not the same, you know, and to blame the manager or whatever. There's a lot of players there who, you know, who can really say at the moment that they're delivering anywhere near the level that we would expect them to perform at. You know, even, even yesterday, and not to pick on anyone, but you think... Players that were given opportunities there that haven't really had opportunities. And okay, I thought Naby Keita was was all right. He, you know, he, at times he influenced the game in the second half, but still didn't make a real big impression. Same with Shakiri, you know, disappointed with them. I thought I thought Jota was probably the one that you'd cut some slack because obviously that was his first first start since he came back from injury, and he was you know, forced the only real important save from from the Fulham keeper all afternoon. But yeah, throughout that team. You know, and throughout the squad, there is players who aren't doing enough at the moment. And I hope that they are using the time to reflect on that themselves rather than, as we said before, just feel sorry for themselves. I mean, if imagine if someone had said to you back in mid-September when all that hype after Liverpool signed Thiago, if someone had said to you then that what, six, seven months on, Liverpool would be losing at home to Fulham and Thiago would be an unused sub and no one was really even calling for him to come on. Because I don't think anyone really looked at that bench and thought we need Thiago on there to, to get us going again because he hasn't affected games positively enough. And yes, there's reasons for that. Of course there is. He didn't have a preseason. He got COVID. He got a horrendous knee injury. But and then and then when he's come back, he's come into a team short of confidence. But and that's where it goes a lot deeper than just clock recruitment. You know, the only signing from last summer who's really paid off has been has been Jota. You know, Simicus has still only played five minutes of Premier League football all season. And yes, he's had injuries. But, you know, at what point is he going to be deemed good enough to ease the burden on Andy Robertson? Who, you know, you, if you're talking about fatigue, then there's someone there that really has got a, a genuine reason to, to feel, feel tired. It's the Red Agenda, your Liverpool dedicated podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I'm Steve Hothersall, Simon Hughes and James Pearce on today's uh, pod. Uh, Simon, what differences? can we make or can we look at between what Jurgen Klopp's going through here and perhaps what he went through at Borussia Dortmund when times weren't great there? Is it a completely different situation? There are some parallels, of course, because very good seasons sort of followed by hugely disappointing seasons. But within the context of, of that second season, you know, that the, there are differences in terms of Obviously, Rafa Honenstein's a better person to, to answer this question because he was he was obviously following what was going on at Dortmund at the time. But that 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 season that he had there was was sort of started off terribly. Uh, obviously, in the relegation zone, I think at Christmas, am I right in saying? And then managed to rescue the season and creep back up the table, and I think qualified for the Europa League in the end, if I remember correctly. But it was a very disappointing season, whereas this season, obviously, for Liverpool, started pretty well. Halfway through, top of the league, 
look where they are now. So there, there are differences, and obviously we spoke a little bit before, didn't we, off off air about you know the, the differences in the in the makeup of the boardrooms at Dortmund and Anfield and, and, and how really he he wasn't getting as, as much support in Dortmund, but he, he is he is here. I mean, it goes back to what James was saying before. You know the the boards at Liverpool. Um, well, I say the board, the, the FSG who who run the club, one hundred percent behind Jurgen Klopp. I think there's very little chance of, of that changing. But you know, I, I do I do feel that you know a bit like we've been discussing here that they need to they do need to question what's happened and ask why it's happened and find out why it's happened. It can't just be simply put down to it being the end of a cycle or a bad season. I think any decent responsible owner would would want answers and, and fa- establish why Liverpool have have fallen so ra- so rapidly and so far so quickly. So they should be asking questions of Jurgen Klopp and listening to him for his reasons on why things have gone wrong and, and, and try and create a situation, an environment, which which allows Liverpool to bounce back next season. I think it's going to be difficult because, obviously, we discussed it before, Liverpool's sort of financial, uh, the, the makeup around the club means that they essentially need to trade well for the for everything to click. I think there's a very uncertain sort of financial landscape around football like there is elsewhere in the world at the moment, uh, particularly if you the club is is run on that basis. So uh, it's going to be a you know it will be a big summer for Liverpool. I think I, I don't think they can afford just to think things will go back to the way they were before because you know I think that some of the players will leave. Uh, looks like Wayne Alden is, is is close to that. He'll be one of them. So yeah, I think they're going to have to find a way to back him. You know, financially as well. It's it's not good enough to just to say well. You know, you created this mess. I mean, I do feel going back uh, to the start of January, they should have been more proactive at the start of that month, which which could have given Liverpool some of the those results where they lost or dropped points could have ended up as one nil wins, and then suddenly, you know, you haven't you a, a difficult situation turns into a positive because you you've come through a difficult game and you you've slummed out a, a good result. Football can be like that, and suddenly now it's gone all the other way. I don't think. Liverpool's players and the manager and everybody else is is um, suddenly bad players and suddenly bad manager, but it doesn't necessarily mean that there's not need for some change and reflection on why it's gone wrong. So, yeah, they, they need to be asking some serious questions because, you know, Liverpool's a massive football club and it hasn't been good enough. Presumably there'll be a post-mortem come the end of the season on everything that happened mid-season and the transfer window and why there was such a delay, James. But what sort of extra support now should be offered to the manager, you know, what is the contingency plan and where, where do FSG and the people behind Jurgen Klopp actually help the manager and the team? Yeah, well, I, I think you're, you're right. There will be an end of season review as there always is, regardless of whether things pick up and they still could, obviously with, with Liverpool still still in contention for the Champions League. But yeah, the important thing for me is it's not just a case of the owners asking Klopp questions in terms of, you know, why it's gone so spectacularly wrong. But I'm, I'm sure Klopp will have some questions of his own because he hasn't had enough support this season. You know, that you know, when you when you think back to you know Liverpool finished 2020, three points clear at the top of the, the Premier League table. You know, it, it like it, it seems utterly ridiculous to think that is true, bearing in mind where we are now. But you know, that's that's not not even two and a half months ago. And um Everyone could see then that, that despite the fact they'd coped so well without Van Dyke and Gomez, it was a squad that needed reinforcing. 
there's no doubt that SG have to take their share of responsibility for what has gone wrong this season because uh, the reinforcements arrive a month too late. But they, they were, it was also done on the cheap. You know, you look at, you know, it was two players were brought in, one on, on loan with an option, uh, the other one for an initial fee of £500,000. And, you know, hopefully Ben Davis over time will adjust and, and be an option for Klopp. But it's not great, is it, that... What, what are we now? Probably six, seven weeks after Ben Davis was signed. And he hasn't pulled on a Liverpool shirt yet. And, and yes, he's had a couple of fitness issues, but he was available for the weekend and didn't even make the bench because Klopp feels he's not quite there yet in terms of the level required. And and again, you know, that that goes back to mistakes made in January. You know, that Liverpool needed quality reinforcements on January the 1st. As it is, they ended up you know, scurrying around trying to find absolute bargains at the start of February. And and they've paid a massively heavy price for that. And um, yes, you can't ignore the pandemic. You can't ignore the impact all that's taken on finances. But surely FSG should have looked upon it and gone, sometimes you have to speculate to accumulate. And to get to, get to ensure that Liverpool got back in the Champions League, they needed to spend money. They needed to find it from somewhere. And they failed to do that. A top four finish looks highly unlikely and probable at this stage. So that places emphasis on actually winning the Champions League. Fe- feasible or not, guys? Not for me. But I, I, I just think, you know, you, you don't win a competition of that standing when you've got the defensive problems that Liverpool have got. I mean, even if they were to find some rhythm higher up the pitch and I managed to... So to get get through this round, I just think they'd come up against a stand of opposition that will punish the problems that they've got defensively at some point. Even being honest, you know, I think people think back to 2005, don't they? And, and you know, they always say, well, the improbable can happen. But let's not forget, you know, Liverpool, the, the, the basis of that sort of achievement was was the solidity they had at the back, really. Jamie Carrigan and Sammy Hippie have played fabulously, you know, throughout that run. I know a lot of obviously a lot of the focus goes towards uh, Steven Gerrard and, and Rafa Benitez for, for, for their roles, but I, I sometimes think that gets overlooked. You know, Rafa was able to set up the team on lots of occasions in a you know solid defensive base, and that was because he had two players who were who were you know world class in their in their positions. So I, I just think that now the way football has gone, I just think that the the teams left in the competition have got too much in attack for Liverpool to be able to resist that and they'll come up against somebody who will will punish those frailties eventually, unfortunately. That would that would make sense. You'd want to see them finish in a Europa League place though, wouldn't you, James? No, Simon says no, he's shaking his head, but actually, the, the reality has been in Europe. Uh, yeah, but I would, I'd actually rather Liverpool missed out on Europe altogether than ended up in the Europa League because it's a, it's a grim competition, the Europa League. You know, horrendous horrendous away trips to you know to you know all these outposts around Europe and no and then then you're in that Thursday Sunday cycle no I I would if Liverpool aren't going to make the Champions League then I'd rather they they didn't have European football at all next season and just focus solely on sorting out themselves uh domestically and as Simon said in terms of the Champions League this season you know, because of what happened in 2005, you know, and you look at it and you think, well, hang on a minute, if they can sneak through this round, you know, 
but I think I think the quarterfinals don't start till second week in April. So potentially you could have Jordan Henderson, you know, knocking on the door in terms of a return by then. That would make a big difference. So you can't you can never say never. It's the red agenda. Uh, we've got Simon Hughes, James Pierce, myself, Steve Hoversall. Let's finish on a high or something of a high. Stephen Gerrard and the success north. Uh, of the border, of course, uh, champions with Rangers. It's uh, been 10 years since they had that title. But what an incredible job he's done alongside uh, Michael Beal, Gary McAllister and the rest of the, the coaching staff there. I, I think there were doubts, Simon, at times as to whether he was a perfect fit as a manager. But I, I think he's excelled, hasn't he? I mean, th- th- this shows it. And it's just the starting path at the age of 40. Yeah. I mean, uh, James and I were having a conversation about this, uh, I think, uh, a couple of weeks ago. and. It's it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because I think when 10, 15 years ago, people would talk about Jamie Carragher and, and, and Stephen Gerrard in sort of managerial terms. And I don't know, I think people never never thought about Gerrard in, in that way, really. I think because he, he wasn't a great communicator, perhaps off the pitch at the time. Possibly. I mean, I, I, I always used to think, you know, you come away from an interview with Stephen Gerrard and he's always learned something new about the game. He always had very, mm. very strong opinions about the way football should be. And was very quick onto things when they were going wrong. Um, and I, I just I just always came away from an interview quite surprised how much I learned about the game from listening to him. I don't think he ever got enough credit for that, really. Really, really great person. Interview is his understanding of football is 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 fantastic. And when he took the Rangers job, I mean, <laughs> it cannot be overestimated what an absolute mess he was inheriting. I mean, they were an absolute, they, they, they were a laughing stock in, in not only in Scotland, but in Europe, you know, losing to, to some really poor teams. I think they lost to a team from Luxembourg, didn't they, the season before he took over in, in the Europa League, you know, miles off it in, in the Scottish League. Now, I understand, obviously, Celtic have fallen a little bit, you know, well, some distance, you know, in, in the last couple of years, but that's coincided with, with Rangers catching them up as well. You know, they, I think they were as a really, really promising signs last season that they were gaining momentum. And um, I mean, all I'd say is about, about Stephen Gerrard. I, I understand some people will probably say, well, Scottish League, you know, at this time it probably proves nothing. But I, I do think it. I've seen a lot of Rangers in in the Europa League. And they've been really, really good in Europe, like really convincing as well. You know, I think just talking about the defence in 2005, it's quite clear to me that he, he knows how to set up a defence, you know, to go and give an away performance in Europe. Um, you know, they've, they've got good attacking players. He's managed to, I think one of the most impressive things that he's done actually is Alfredo Morelos. I think that the team relied heavily on him. He's obviously an absolute head the ball, isn't he? Murray lost some of the stuff that he's done. But I think over the last 12 months, Gerard's managed to sort of harness more of a team spirit amongst sort of he's not they don't rely on him so much anymore. So he's done some really impressive things, I think. And um yeah, I can only admire him for taking that job on because I remember reading quite a lot of articles, particularly by reporters in Scotland, and when, when he took the job on. I actually went to the, the first old firm game against Celtic covered it and it, I, I came away thinking oh my god like you know what have you done Stephen like taking this job on because Celtic absolutely I mean I think it was a 1-0 win for Celtic and it was proper backs to the wall stuff for Rangers that I think they were hoping to get away with a 0-0 draw but he has a massive job on his hands and he's, he's managed to 
to really create a bit of history there. So I, I think it really fascinating story that they could unravel over the next couple of years. Um, I'm delighted for him, really, because uh, I think he's he's sort of proven quite a few people wrong. Because a lot of people said, don't take that job. And he took it. And he's managed managed to make a success out of it. Do you know, he's been under pressure all his playing life. So maybe no surprise that he's excelled under pressure at Rangers. Inevitably, and, and Simon alluded to it then, James, people start talking about when would be the right time for him to make a move to Liverpool? It's obviously not now, but it must be in his plans if he, if he could draw up a wish list of where he wanted to go in his managerial career. How, how do you see it unfolding for Steven Gerrard in the future years? Well, I think the the ideal scenario would be that Steven Gerrard is is in a position where he's he's ready and and in a, ready to take over from Jurgen Klopp in the summer of 2024, which is where Jurgen Klopp is is committed up to. You know, I think, of course, at the moment, with the way things have gone, with Steven Gerrard winning that title and and doing very well in Europe with, with Rangers and, and Liverpool struggling, some people will put two and two t- together and probably get 17 in terms of this summer. But, no, we all, we all know that, you know, th- we know what Steven Gerrard's end game is. We know he's no, no secret about what he's building towards. He also knows he needs to get a lot more experience before he's in a position where he can take on a job the size of Liverpool. I think he's enhanced his credentials massively, you know, not just with winning that title, but as Simon said, with what they've done in Europe, you know, he's shown that he's got the tactical, you know, he's very tactically astute as well as the, you know, the man management side. So um, yeah, the signs are really promising about Steven Gerrard, the manager. Um, but yeah, I, I still think and hope it will be a few years, probably three and a bit years before um, that becomes a reality. But I think, I think one important thing is probably, I don't, I don't feel that he needs to go somewhere else before coming to Liverpool. I don't, so I, I've, I've heard that argument that he needs to go and manage, you know, in a, in a more elite league. And I don't, I don't really go along with that because I think, I think he's doing such a fantastic job at Rangers. And if he keeps on taking them, further and further in Europe you know that is another massive plus against his name Si not ready yet but he will be I think so I mean he said didn't he when he was a player that he didn't want to sign for another club which could put him against Liverpool I know when he signed for LA Galaxy he had a a few offers you know from clubs around Europe James might correct me but I'm sure Paris Saint-Germain and Bayern Munich even had had, had sort of made inquiries about whether he'd be interested to go there and Big call, really. He just said, I can't imagine ever putting myself in a position where I'd have to go to Anfield and play against Liverpool. So I do suspect he'd apply that rule to management. But then who knows? Rangers might be, well, they might be in the UEFA Conference League next year or whatever. I don't know, whatever Liverpool are going to end up in. But um, in fact, no Rangers will be in the Champions League and Liverpool won't be the way it's going. But I think, um, yeah, I, I couldn't imagine him taking a job in the Premier League, put it that way. It'd be surprise uh, I mean he, he knows how the Premier League works he's played there for long enough I'd be majorly surprised to see him take on a, a job at a club particularly a club where if you're going to step from out of Rangers into the Premier League very little chance you're going to be able to get one of the clubs which are where the, there's massive pressure I think it'd be more like a strategical move and that to me doesn't seem like the sort of thing that motivates him he wants to be managing at a club as you said Steve at the beginning where there's that real, real pressure. So he's got, he's still got, you know, obviously a lot to prove in management, even though he's done well in Europe. I mean, if he were to go and 
get Rangers out of the group stage in the Champions League next season. It's possible, you know, that that, that would be another thing where you could say, look, he, he knows exactly what he's doing here. But um, he won't be in a rush. I mean, I, I think that when you think about a lot of sort of managers now, sort of younger managers who haven't necessarily played the game, it always feels like they're in the rush to make the next the next move. You know, they, they move too quickly. Whereas, you know, Jar- Stephen Gerrard knows that potentially he's got 20, 20, 20 to 25 years left in management. And I'd imagine he wants Liverpool to form a big chunk of that potentially. So he won't be in a rush yet. He, he'll know that he's got a lot more to achieve at Rangers and a lot more to experience. But yeah, it, it's it's bound to be his dream to manage Liverpool. Um, I mean, it's the only club you could ever see him managing in England as far as I'm concerned. Simon James, uh, fantastic as always. I spent the whole pod trying to think of other films which were as bad as Rambo 3. Have you come up with any yet? No. <laughs> James. Rambo 3? Rambo 3 was shocking, wasn't it? Frozen 2. <laughs> Frozen 2. Have you seen that? Frozen 2? Absolutely yes, horrendous. I haven't seen Frozen 1. I, I, oh, my God. I would argue Shutter Island. Shutter, Shutter Island? Island. I love that. <laughs> And everybody is losing their mind at the moment, aren't they? Boys, great stuff. Thank you. Uh, The lads will be back um, next week when the Red Agenda returns. Thank you very much uh, for listening. We'll catch you next time. The Athletic.